and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jacket. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. Simon Chapman, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Jacko. Mate, uh, so I've hit you up to join me on the podcast, mm. which is um, a bit of a random one. Mm-hmm. It's something you don't know anything about because I haven't really told many people. Absolutely nothing. All I know is it's episode two, so I didn't crack episode one pilot, <laughs> yeah. but means we're away. That's right. Um, so this is an experiment for me. This has come from doing a bit of um, personal, professional development, um, looking at where I am in my life and career and, you know, opening up the radar for what's next. I've sort of been going through this period of, you know, I I don't expect to be doing what I'm doing, you know, work-wise and, you know, obviously family life changes as you have more kids. Yep. Um, But I don't expect it to be the same in 10 years as it is now. Mm. Um, But sort of funnily enough, talking to a lot of people about, you know, like this period of change where it's like, what is next? And how do I know how to make that next move? So this is a bit of, as I said, this is an experiment. It's about getting people on. The name of the podcast is None of My Business. It's literally about other people's business. The idea being that the more people I can connect with and talk to, the more that comes into my field of vision and the better I can make decisions about where I'm going or what I want to do. Um, there might be something in it for the audience along the way. Perhaps. There may be, but you know what? That came up. So I, so I did a little. Um, I went in to see Tommy and Josh, who run the daily. Who's Tommy's my brother? Yep. Run the daily talk show, and I, I said to Tommy, um, mate, I want to come in and just workshop some ideas. I've just been dumping ideas down in a like a um, Dropbox paper document. Yep. For about three or four months, and I just want to come in and just sort of run through some things, see what sticks. You guys have been—they're up to six hundred episodes this week. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. Um, so I'm like, not that you're experts, but you're you're well on your way, or you're well further ahead than I am, um, and just see what sticks in the context of hosting or conducting a podcast like arena, um, and. And so I go in there and he's like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, we'll do that, we'll do that. Um, and, and then I get in there and he goes, so we're going to record an ep and we're just going to have this conversation as an episode. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't really expect that. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, let's yeah. go with it. Um, so, yeah, and so I went through this this kind of, you know, he, they kind of threw a few questions at me and I just went through this process of sort of saying this is where it sits at the moment. Mm. It's I've got the reason why I'm doing it. Mm. But what I'm really conscious of is when I ask generous people like yourself to come on and give me time doing something that they're not necessarily used to doing, um, and when I put this potentially, if it gets to this point and I'm happy with it, if I put this out after I've done 10 or 15 apps or whatever and I put it onto the channels like iTunes and one yep. Spotify and whatever, what's the reason someone would listen, yeah. you know? So the, so the firm thing for me is I know that um, I'm in this very explore, explorative, ex, exp, I'm exploring, explorational <laughs> mode. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so I, I'm looking to, as I said before, like just open that field mm. of awareness and sort of go, what's next for me? And, and then another thing is that, you know, like talk, like hosting a space like this, it, mm. for whatever reason, you can kind of dig a bit deeper because we're here for a reason. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the weather. We might, but we, you know, like there, <laughs> there, there is, we want to kind of dig into a bit more and I want to get, kind of get a bit more from you. Yes. And this is an open conversation. I expect people right. to have questions for me. Like, why the fuck are we here? No, it's good. Um, I'm a huge fan of the medium. Yeah. Like, there's podcasts, <coughs> you know, podcasts, you know, went a bit retro for a while and they are... They're they're such an intimate way of consuming media now. Yeah. Everyone, if you're not listening to podcasts, like the increase of people listening to podcasts is month on month, you know, 2 to 3% each month. Yeah. It's, uh, it's insane. America's up to about sort of 34% of people have consumed a podcast in the last six weeks or something like yeah, that. Shit. It's, it's into that sort of space and Australia's at about 15%, but we're on the rise. Like we're on that path of people are using it as their platform mm. um well I, I you know my experience um was listening to some and then tommy 
doing his and inviting me on. Yeah. And the experience of going on was a bit nerve wracking because I was like, what are you, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. But then I quickly realized that actually as the guest, it's the easier position yeah. because you just got to answer questions. That's it. And you just and if you don't have an answer to it, you just say, I don't have an answer to it. <laughs> asking you know, questions is harder. Asking questions is harder. And so I've become really aware um, uh, of questioning just in general. And I read this book called A More Beautiful Question, um, which I got onto from an interview with a guy called Michael Bungay-Stanier, who Tommy and Josh interviewed. And this whole, this book about, a more, you know, that's called A More Beautiful Question is all about this idea that we lose the ability to question in life mm. from the age of four. Mm. So from the age of four, you see this severe drop off of how much we as humans ask questions. Mm. You, you get it. Like we've got year old exactly. is, is elite exactly. at the question ask. And there's just a constant <laughs> why. And then yeah. what, but why else? Yeah. And then what, but what about that one? You know, like there's a yeah. follow-up question to every answer you've got. Yeah. And it really fascinated me because I'm I'm in the thick of it with a four it's a four year old in um you know in a couple of weeks, and now and a and a one year old in a few weeks, um, I just became really like aware of that like questioning is so Im- it's so powerful but it's so important, and and there is no and and this is an and this is an environment where you can either you can excel at that or you can at least flex, you know, like train that muscle mm. to sort of get better at asking questions. Mm. So anyway, that's kind of why we're here. Um, so we'll get into what you do yes. um, about, you've obviously got a, a, a tech background. You're very familiar with this podcasting format. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was hilarious when I asked you to be on it and you're like, yeah, yeah, what are you, what are you doing? And I actually didn't realise how involved you were within yeah. podcasting, but it just didn't. I, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna get my mates on, Chappy. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? And then I was like, oh yeah, you fucking run like the digital <laughs> department of a, of a, a business. large media business yeah, that yeah. specialises in audio. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm across the format. Yeah, yep, um, that's cool. So. Uh, but before we jump into that, yeah. I, I just thought, do you have what? What do you experiment with, or what? Or yeah. do have you? Or maybe it's a reframing because that's something that I've done for this. Is I got really blocked on why am I fucking doing this, and why would anyone give a shit? And mm. then I got and I got certain on why I'm doing it. Mm. Um, it's hard to sort of know why anyone else would care to listen, and and maybe they won't, yeah. you know. But um, that's really not the point. Yeah. The point is, the point is to sort of get into this conversation and just play around. Yeah. But have you reframed anything in life about as an experiment to kind of break down those barriers of going, you know, there is no failed outcome here or there is no failure yeah. because I'm just exploring, you know? 100%. Well, I think, you know, innovation comes from exploration. Like mm. you can't, you know, you can't be afraid to fail in anything. Like especially, you know, tech, you know, nerds. If, they've, if nerds have taught us anything in the last 20 years, it's try stuff. Yeah. And, you know, someone's going to make it. And make it really good. And it's going to change the way we do things. It's going to change the way people act, live, behave. Um, You can't be afraid to fail. And you can't ever think that you're wasting your time by trying something. Mm. Like trying something is just the start. It's what you then decide to go all in on, I think, is sort of that next big question. I like to trial a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, I run a digital team and my whole side for them and my co- constant encouragement to them is just try stuff try stuff yeah try. You can't fail <clears throat> and then you get better at knowing what ones to Correct. pull the lever on and say and we're going to go all in exactly yeah. and then you just start you know if you know content for example like there are so many different ways to do digital content or you know write stuff or record stuff podcast video all that sort of stuff so you know if you're constantly trying stuff at least at least you know what you get good at and yeah. then what resonates with an audience or, you know, if it's, if, if it's in another realm beyond publishing, then, you know, it might change the way people act, behave. So mm-hmm. I think trying stuff is absolutely key. And I've tried things that have failed in the past and mm. at least Do you, you have any learning, at least you take a learning yeah. out of it and say, well, this is something we could have done better or this just sucked and I'm glad I'm out um, or, you know. If, if, if I had my time again, would I have done things differently? And that's always, like, yes is always the answer to that. Yeah, of course. Do you have anything notable that, and you don't have to have an answer to this, that comes into mind, whether it's personal or professional, where you, it kind of stands out as a big life or a learning? You know, it doesn't have to be a big learning, but just a learning that you're kind of like, oh, that did or didn't work or, mm. 
You know, is there anything that you kind of use as a guide in every day or that just pops in and out of your head every now and then? Or it might, you know, like maybe it's a professional move. Like maybe it's a, you know, I tried to push in this direction with my career and it didn't really go the way that I planned or, you know. Yeah, I think, like, I've definitely had huge pivots. Yeah. And, like, my biggest pivot was probably, like, I was a radio producer and a TV producer. um, And I got to London and... I was uh, I got a job producing on the breakfast TV show on ITV called Wake Up or something like that. It yeah. was just crap, yeah. and like I just didn't connect with the show, the content at all. Mm. And I realised it was because I didn't really care. Like, and so you know, I could have sat in that because I'd done that, and that was what I was doing for my career. Um, but I sort of made a huge change to go into the digital world of production and TV and entertainment over there and purely focus on tech platform delivery all that sort of stuff Mm. um and that was just such a huge pivot at the time but it made so much sense because i did care about that stuff Mm. and i just you know when i'd I'd lost the connection to the actual content of what i was doing i realized it was a massive time for a change yeah but you know i think that was probably the point where i was like yeah this isn't for me anymore Mm. So tell me about your, just rewind a little bit about, you know, the major steps within your career coming out of school into uni. What did you study at uni? Commerce, economics. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, of course you did. Um, so, okay. So what did coming out of a commerce degree and getting into <laughs> media media look like? Well, I just knew what I didn't want to do coming out of a commerce degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so... Did you do a commerce degree because it was that classic, like, fuck, what do I do out of, out of school? Yeah, totally. And, and heaps of dudes to do in commerce. Totally. Got a decent score in, you know, in my year 12. And I was yeah. like, I don't really know what I want to do. I want to get a good education. I want to be able to learn and think and write and Were all your that parents sort of stuff. influential in that? Like, has your really. parents got any sort of commerce background? They do. Like my old man was a stockbroker for forty years, and you know we just talked stock the home. stocks, mate. Yeah, yeah correct. The like, stocks. You know we weren't we weren't we weren't talking about developing apartments at, yeah. at my house in you know Baldwin growing up. We were talking about stocks. Yeah, <laughs> I so, love that. You know what? Just to di- just to digress a little bit, but one, you know you you and I have done a fair bit of stock chat over the years, and actually you got me into this sort of mindset at the moment that I'm in quite heavily of investment and yeah. stocks and I've just started dabbling in the US and yeah um <clears throat> but I I've been listening to some podcasts around investing yeah. and this concept of and this and I'm going to do this but whether it be my own kids or like relatives like bit young kids and giving them a single share in like a stock like Disney mm. or giving them a single share in a stock like Nike or whatever yeah. it might be like mm. I'm just going to make that call when the time comes but just to create like they at the time they'll be like this is fucking bullshit yeah. and I'm like yeah, yeah but it's worth 150 bucks you know yeah. like deal with it yeah but what I love about that is it creates an awareness yep. and then, and also the questions. It's like, yeah. why have you given me this? And yeah. then it's like, great, well, you come yeah. and sit down. We'll talk about what that means. We'll talk about yep. what you access you get or the, or what you get to look at because you're a shareholder and yes. what being a shareholder means. It changes the world you live in really fast because yeah. you're invested in something. So, okay. So I, so I love that idea and you've grown up with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely a part of, yeah, my world. Um, and so like economics finance to me was sort of, you know, kind of a bit second nature, but it's just not something I was passionate about from like a career point of view. Like I didn't want to sit, you know, you know, a big four, uh, bank or, you know, a big accountancy firm or something like that and just toil away. Um, I like it as a hobby. Like I like it to keep interest in different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I was really into, you know, comedy and fun and sport and media and all that sort of stuff and Mm. you know found my way into radio after a little bit of travel time and um and you know really you know became a producer in radio breakfast radio and uh and that was awesome like creating content every day Mm. being creative every day small team just how did you get into radio like from did you just pick up a in, like a gig just doing shit kick at work at a radio station? Sort like, of, yeah. I was writing comedy for someone on radio. Yeah, so I was right. writing their stuff. Yeah, and, right. 
Uh, and, you know, I just found her particularly lazy yeah. and the job kind of fun and easy. And then, you know, the guy who I'd sort of go into the radio station a bit and help her out and, you know, come up with ideas with her. Um, and then when the assistant producer of the show left, that, like I was just a bit of a, hey, well, you're young. You're, you're here. Yeah, you're sort of already here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Me just pick up that phone and so, start doing stuff. All right. So there's a whole other piece there around writing comedy. But where did that – like where did writing comedy – like I know yeah. you're a, you're one of the funnier pricks I know, but where did the actually making that official and writing comedy for a show come into it? Uh, I don't know. It's sort of – yeah, yeah. It's, it's a confidence thing, right? Like mm. to say, yeah, I write comedy, people would say, oh, you're funny, are you? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the uh, – I started doing it at uni, you know, law reviews and all that sort of stuff, and then it's sort of – people just asked – asked me to start sort of putting down ideas for them and yeah. form, form, formulating stuff. I wrote some pilot shows for a few different people and, you know, um, you know, eh, people just asked me to review things and write for, you know, your beat magazines, all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Like it sort of just naturally progressed from doing stuff at uni. Yeah. Um, and then I realised, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I really liked the social aspect of yeah. creating content. Because so someone who I want to chat to is a mate of mine, Ryan Shelton. You, do you know? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, right? yeah. He, um, like, that's what he does. Mm. He's a comedy writer mm. and he writes for, you know, the stuff that he... Everyone. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah well, that's... Yeah. And, and, well, that's my... So I know his work with Haim and Andy and, and um, Timmy, who, who they have Radio Karate together. Um, and I know he writes for other shows, but... I'm really interested to understand that business behind the writing game yeah. and what that looks like, and you know, so that'll be something that I'd I'd, I'd talk to him about. It's a totally different world, and and what I sort of found was I liked it. It was a really good in for me, but it wasn't for me forever. Like I really liked producing, and I liked the social side. I liked the commercial side as well. Like mm. I really sort of got into you know commercial radio, commercial TV, and. You know, I now work in, you know, sport production and um, and live sport. Uh, and that's one of the most commercial spaces you can find, right? Yeah. Like brand, connecting brands and fans, all that sort of stuff is, is huge business. Yeah. And so I kind of really gravitated to that world as well in mm. terms of how, you know, how it actually works and how it's become so big and how it's just mm. such a multi-billion dollar industry. So that's this is another thing that I've sort of been mulling over is, you know, as I work out this, the purpose of this like doing this is like I have a genuine interest in business mm. and I don't, it's very, and, I, and I'm kind of like, what does that mean? You know, like <laughs> what business is a very broad fucking term. Yep. And I've sort of tried to dig into what it is. Is it, you know, like, is it, um, is it because business has this multiple like layers to it, which you have to get all of those things firing correctly in order to make this one business unit mm. come together and be successful you know what do I like about that challenge? Like I'm I'm someone who um, enjoys moving from one thing to another, having a lot of things in my head and being able to process them and and then sort of synthesize them into something that's simple that can be like pushed out as a simple message to 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 what would otherwise be a very complex kind of like where do we fucking start kind mm -hmm. of situation. Um, and yeah, it just it's sort of and again, there's no sort of there's no point to this other than I, I, I think I'm really – I think what I'm sort of saying to define is just getting that 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 weave of, you know, similarities that run between all kind of forms of business or all revenue-generating entities yeah. and that there are these weave, weaving similarities but they manifest or they action in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, like you got interested in just the commercial world of yeah. production and digital and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff um, – I do, yeah, like that's just a, that's fascinating to me. Like mm. to sort of go how so in my in my experience, which has come from doing a design degree, um, going and becoming a designer, designing bike helmets, designing shop store like stores and and fit outs, um, then moving in the same company into sales and marketing because the design work sort of dried up and the project's finished, and I was like, well, I'm just going to stay around for a while. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of gave me this taste of sort of working with customers and yeah. working with partners within, yeah. you know, so what you've done and created back in the office and then going out into market and saying, let's work together to make this come to life. Yeah. And I started to get this taste of that and I'm like, actually, that's what I like because mm. it's involving other people. I can't mm. stand being stuck behind my computer all day. Yeah. Even though I love that at periods of time, I can't do that long term 
And so I want to be out in the wilderness yeah. and, and and solving problems with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's interesting how that can kind of that kind of goes in. And what you were just saying sort of made me sort of think about that. Totally. And you know, I, I work in a world now where I, I deal with a lot of like brand partners, and I deal with a lot of stakeholders, different, you know, like the AFL, Tennis Australia, Cricket Australia, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. and they've all got like their own agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And so. There, you know, it's like, but, but what, why is their agenda their agenda? And mm. is, are they missing something? You know, yeah. can we help in a different way other than just being like a broadcast partner or a media partner, all that sort of stuff? Mm. And so, I don't know, I think there's, you know, everyone's, everyone's got challenges, problems that they don't necessarily see. So, and the commercial side of that becomes the really interesting side because yeah. they all exist or they can't exist if they don't make money, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the, that's the sort of power of what you can unlock and, you know, by making money, that's just because they're doing something that's really popular yeah. and it's actually helping other people and it's providing a benefit. Like, yeah. you know, if you're the big bash and little kids are just loving the entertainment and they're getting out and playing cricket and yeah. the flow on effect of that is, you know, creating a show and making money. Exactly. So, yeah. Claire, you know, Claire can't stand that. Like, <laughs> she looks at like... <laughs> Look at these fuck AFL making all this money. Look at yeah. the players. They're running around kicking yeah, a football sure. and they're only a million dollars a year. I'm like, yeah. But look at all the people watching them do that. Yeah. And look at all those little kids yeah. that wake up on a Saturday morning yeah. and just go to Kick because they yeah. love it. Yeah. And I love that behind. Like I love that. that. And again, another reason, like none of my business, a general business conversation with and – I, and, I, and I want to talk to – a really broad range of people because there is business in everything. And if it doesn't exist in something, it's only a matter of time because tech's going to get us there or, you know, a new industry will be created and then all of a sudden there'll be a demand for it. And then that thing that someone was doing that wasn't a business will become a business yeah. and it'll become commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's your, what's your role at, at Croc Media? Uh, so digital director, um, I basically head the digital department I sit on the exec leadership team of, of the business. When I started, it was, you know, sort of about 50 to 60 uh, full-time employees, I'd say, and then, you know, a lot of sort of syndicated media around the country, so a lot of uh, a lot of casuals. Yeah. I think we're now at about 220. Shit. Um, huge growth in the last three years. Um, huge rights agenda. You know, there's been ta- reverse takeovers and – gone from being syndicated radio and audio business to owned media as well, owned mm. the SEN platform. So that's a huge part of my world. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, sports audio and we've basically got the rights to every live sport in the country, but we make TV shows, we make so digital is, platforms. All so in stuff. your role as digital director, mm. w- w- you sit as, um, you know, in a, a leadership role of a team of digital creators i suppose or digital yeah. tech people and content creators and what what is your do you do a lot of partnership work do you do a lot of like people management like what what's your day to day i know that's cliche but what do you what is the majority or your where does your majority of work sit yeah it's, it's it's a good question we've got um so yeah part of my team is 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 tech right so there's you know product and platform sort of how I sort of define that group. Uh, the other part is content and editorial. Mm. Um, so we basically transfer everything that happens on, say, SEN or, you know, all the syndicated shows we make or all the different um, platforms we have with different uh, different sporting bodies uh, and entities. Mm. Um, every piece of content we make, we digitise. And so it's my role to oversee how everything translates to the online world, mm. whether that be social media or sitting on something on AFL.com, whether that's trade radio or whatever that might be, or yeah. um, or if it's our own stuff, um, you know, how we make, you know, the SEN app, the SEN experience, a full holistic sport experience for mm. end-to-end customers online. So, um, yeah, there's a whole different part, like there's multiple different parts to it, but I'm finding more and more um, my role is really a commercial one. Mm. Um because without, you know, that sort of commercial click, and I, I speak to a lot of people that are head of digitals at, you know, your News Corps, Tennis Australia, wherever it might be, mm. and they sort of find that a lot of their time actually ends up getting buried into the commercial side of things because it kind of has to. It's um, it's where, it's where the money's made. Yeah, and so, you know, I know exactly what my entire business unit costs. Yeah. And 
I know that, you know, as a business unit, you need to stand on your own two feet. You need to be able to say, yeah, we're we're not only the future of this company, being the tech and digital side of things Mm -hmm. um, and where all the consumption is moving towards, but, you know, we also need to say, well, yeah, we're going to be, you know, revenue generating and we're Mm going to not only generate revenue but we're going to make profit and um and that that encourages the expansion into our area yeah um we're very much or you know when, when i started it was a very traditional media business really old school radio and that sort of stuff and mm. i'm sort of trying to lead that transformation but along the way i've got to prove that this is going to work yeah <laughs> well i saw um milestones i here. saw hutchie put out a post the other day which was directly crediting the chappie and it was 12 million podcast view downloads, 3.9 million unique users, 9 million video views. So it's clearly hitting home. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing all right. <laughs> I mean, they're big numbers, but you've yeah. also got a huge network of stations and syndicated stations that I, I assume, you know, it, you're also about aggregating and compiling all that mm. content and then pushing it out in the correct channels to the cor- in the correct way. Yeah, that's it. And, yeah, I've got an amazing team that, you know, just live and breathe this stuff every day. Their job is to... Go out, push content, and bring people in to consume other mm-hmm. stuff. So it's um yeah, it's it's big business. It's it's fast. It's good fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you know, uh, there's a lot of people doing it as well. So you mm. got to be um you kind of got to stay on top of your game. A lot of people in in what in respect of like the media landscape's competitive, mm. and so it, yeah. there's a lot of like everyone's vying for the same listeners, basically, or watchers. Yeah. And I think like everyone's got a point of difference. So like. We compete with, you know, from a sport point of view, for example, we'd compete with Herald Sun, Fox Sports, AFL, mm-hmm. Cricket Australia, NRL. Like, we compete with them, but we also partner with them <coughs> on so much stuff yeah. as well. So, our point of difference is that we're, you know, live audio 24-7, you know, you can come and listen to us. And while you're there, you can consume a whole world of other stuff. Yeah. Um, we generate more audio, so therefore we generate more podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to turn into a video platform, like, where... People are talking sport in our building lives, you know, as I said, 24-7. So that means we've got, you know, video in every studio mm. and people can then consume <coughs> video content as well mm. and social content. So, you know, we're, we're a hub and I guess our point of difference to say a Herald Sun or an AFL is that they're not doing that per se, but they're doing other things. Yeah. You know? So they've got huge fantasy platforms. They've got, you know... Um, yeah, right. match centers, all that sort of stuff. So we, we've got point of, points of difference, all of us, but we are we are swimming in the same pond, mm-hmm. absolutely, and we're going for the same people. Is it harder for those other guys, Herald Suns, News Corps, to actually shift in this direction because they're so rusted on to a traditional media type business and, you know, like they probably made big investments in yeah. fantasy league, as you said, and those sort of things? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, there's tipping points with, you know, traditional media and how how much they move into digital and i worked at news corp for four years so i sort of know where those tipping points are um but you know obviously everyone is moving towards their digital platforms Mm. um but they're doing it differently like herald sun has that subscription model right so they made the call that ad revenue from uh from digital was not going to be as much as the subscription model. Mm. Um, And, you know, I now, I know they make more money from subscribers than they do from ad revenue on platforms. So um, they've made that call and they're going to commercialise in that way, but that will always affect their total audience. So they're not necessarily an audience play. Mm. They're more... Their model is around, you know, quality and someone willing to pay. Enticing subscribers, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so it's, so that's a bit different, whereas my model is more is more mass. So, you know, I'm going for eyeballs and earballs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so do you – what are the revenue generators for your business? Like when you say you want your digital team to stand on its own two feet mm. – what are the what are the things and tell me what you can tell me, but around generating revenue, is it ads? Is it yeah. like where do you guys just to give me a quick sort of snapshot of yeah. what that looks like? It is it's ads to an extent, but it's 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 mostly partnerships to be honest. Like we um like I think our business is a successful one because we work really hard with partners. So mm-hmm. for example, if you're you know, <clears throat> Maccas, for an example, and they want to be across, you know, all sorts of live sport because they find that a really engaging platform with young families and it connects to regional Australia and it, you know, connects to 
the way, you know, the way you will have media in your life. So, you know, lots of people watch catch-up TV. They, you know, watch video clips on, you know, YouTube, that sort of stuff. But mm. live sport is something that they will, you know, families and, and people will connect Brings with. Them together. Yeah. Yeah. So if they make that decision, you know, you're working with them side by side all of a sudden. And, you know, then you start to ask some questions around, well, you know, what are your other objectives? And mm. so, and their objectives might be, you know, it's it's a regional play and we've got these targets in these areas or this sort of stuff. And mm. then I sort of sit there and go, okay, well, from a digital perspective, I can, I can geofence all those locations for you mm. and really target the right people that you're going for in those areas mm. um, via the digital consumption that we have. Mm. And, you know, that then becomes a real, you know, turn on for them because there's less waste mm. than just throwing ad dollars at, are you literally hosting those meetings with those sort of partners or do you have yeah. like partner project managers or, you we, know? We've got a sales team that are pretty digitally equipped, yep. but I sit in all those meetings and sort of, you know, drive that agenda with those sort of people. And, yep. you know, it really resonates like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of business out there that is still just, you know, throwing money at media buy mm. um, and hoping the right things stick in the right areas. They're not necessarily thinking, oh, I can just target, I can target yeah. you know, certain um you know certain customer profiles in certain locations um and when you sort of start opening up that world for them they 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 love it and yeah. so i sort of find that that is a big part of it it's not necessarily just okay well we serve ads and you click on an article and you'll get a video pre-roll or a, you know yeah. an ad a banner on the site like that's a little bit of it but it's more about okay well we create partnerships and then you know, integrated content and how they live in multiple work parts of the world mm. is, is kind of a better model for us, <clears> I think. So how aware are they becoming? You know, like have you seen a transition in customers and partners coming to you now expecting those targeted approaches? You know, like yeah. have you seen a shift in say, you know, just to put a number, like two years ago they were just coming going, we've got a whole lot of money to spend, we may as well talk to you guys because we're talking to 10 other people. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, do they are they – it, a five out of ten now coming to you going, oh no no we we know about targeting and we yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd like every agency is uh, extremely equipped to buy digital now. Yeah, savvy savvy media buyers everywhere from a digital perspective, and it all is, you know, driven around conversion and like everything's tracked. So you you kind of you're constantly up against the metric. Yeah, <laughs> well, so, I was listening to delivery. I was listening to the Mark Boris podcast yesterday, which I have on sort of just every now and then I'll drop in and drop out, but he was interview interviewing um Sabi Subri from King Kong, mm -hmm. which is an agency. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um really interesting approach where they're like he's like we're results mm. based. So mm. we unless our client gets a return on investment based on what the process that we take them through, we yeah. don't get paid. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, that's putting your balls on the line. And totally. and Boris called it on. Like, he's like, mate, yeah. that's a really honest but fucking ballsy yeah. approach. Yeah. And, you know, it's like some people still need help. Like, mm. there's definitely some businesses which still need help in this area. And, you know, you can sort of help and hold their hand. But, you know, um, a lot of places now, they're pretty savvy. Like, I would say... I would say 60 to 70% really get it now. Um, mm. And, you know, the digital dollar, like if you sort of, if you if you put a pie chart out of where media spend is going now in terms of how people advertise, you know, digital is just buying, like it's just engrossing that entire pie and it's yeah. eating it all up now. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many components to it, right? Like the search, mm. the social, there's you know, there so many different ways to convert. <clears throat> I'm really interested in that um, <clears throat> that shift in the in the customer or the partner's mentality because, you know, in the industry that I've, you know, spent the better part of the last decade, I've been saying for or aware of for a long time that once our customers get hooked on digital return on investment metrics – in a you know so I so to give context here I live in a world which we run a, a design agency front end mm. and then we design a solution which goes into a retail environment or it's an experiential kind of mm. display system that might go either into an event or it could go countrywide into a retail chain yeah 
it's a physical hardware display, you know, mm. and 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 um, you know, the industry is built on metal and timber, yeah, and you know, like the real basics. Uh, but obviously moved into injection moulding and doing really creative stuff. But most brands in Australia don't have that sort of budget because they just can't afford it. But the point I'm making is that once these brands start to go, all right, well, we want to actually start seeing if we're going to spend $300,000 on putting one display in 100 stores, we want to see what return we're getting on that other than just a at-register potential uplift in sales you know, that we get reported to from the retailer, whatever that might be. It's all, it's, there's, no, there's no real straight line metrics that allow them to say, we spent 300 and that increased our top line revenue by 8% or yeah. whatever it is, you know. And so I've been looking for this opportunity to sort of go, where does this industry that's like a dinosaur really, and yeah. it's, it's a manufacturing industry yeah. ultimately with a design sort of creative front end. but. Yeah. How can you prove at, ROI? Yeah, at, at what point and what little levers and things are going to come in where brands do expect yeah. a digital um, metric or, yeah. a, you know, like some sort of ROI, you know, measurement, mm. whatever. Um, and I still haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to see a few little things that people are doing um, using VR and, you know, and um, creating digital environments so you can, you know, send – a consumer into a store in a in a virtual world with a headset and you can do eye tracking on all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But in terms of at the store level and measuring consumer interaction, you know, heat mapping's been around for ages. Oh, look, look at our heat map that we set up and everyone spent time in front of the display. That's okay. Mm. Still doesn't give you a return on investment kind of metric. Mm. So anyway, I'm just really aware and interested in that, like that shift in the consumer mentality. Because, and then another thing to add to that is a mate of mine, Jules Lund, who you know, yep. has created this brand um, and this platform or commu- or marketplace called Tribe. Mm. And as I talk to every time I talk to him, it becomes even more and more relevant about. The, the shift is coming, you know, like the the brands are expecting that return and the metrics and yeah. expecting us to lead the conversation yeah. as opposed to be like passengers with them and like that why otherwise why would they partner with you? Yeah. You know? And I mean obviously digital the digital landscape provides those metrics <clears throat> in a lot of circumstances. But even say radio, mm. just traditional radio, you know, an ad plays on a radio station did it work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. But yeah. now, like, I know brands that literally have, you know, call center tracking and, you know, they track Google searches. And so if you're – and they know exactly when their ad plays. So let's say their ad plays at 3.43 p.m. Mm-hmm. Off the back of that, they have sort of like a, a window of, yeah, we know our ad played there yep. and it costs us this. Off the back of that, there were X amount of Google searches – there yeah, were right. X amount of calls because, you know, the ad might have had the phone number or the website or mm. whatever. So the call to action from the media has generated one, two, three, four things that may have occurred, a website hit or whatever, that sort of stuff. Yeah. If, th- if that website hit comes from no referral, it's someone typing it in either Google or straight to it, mm. um, then they know or they feel like the media has paid off. And so they're starting to use their own ways to track, you know, and it's, and it's literally like call centers, they go that ad after that, we had 35 calls Mm. therefore, and you know, they know their lead funnel. So they go 35 calls equaled five sales and we made X, the ROI was Y. Mm. And so, and that's from a traditional media setup. Like it's a pretty manual approach Mm. to track ROI, but they're onto it, right? Yeah. And so it's not just throw it at a wall and see what happens. Mm. Um, you're right. Like you can't just spend 300 grand now. No. And it's just a matter of time before I just, I see this tide coming of like, if we're not driving that conversation, then you're just going to get left behind, you know? And that, that, and I suppose that, that relates to all industries, you know, if you're not leading innovation and leading what's coming and trying to work with people and partner early so that they, you go with them on the journey, then someone else will. Yeah. Someone will, like a little one man band will come in and go, I've just spent the last fucking five years Mm -hmm. just doing nothing, but learning, like teaching myself about this new tech Yeah, and I've got it. Yeah. And here it is. Do you want to, let's, let's experiment. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so, uh, I was looking at your um, Instagram the other day and you were on a game <laughs> show. <laughs> What's the game show thing about? I wrote this down here just because so I didn't want to forget about it. I was looking through your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was on a game show, yeah. What was uh, that about? Well, no, I was on because so I used to produce a show at Channel 10 called The Circle way back in the day. Yeah. Um, and we used to sit around and do the quiz every day. Oh. And um, and I used to be all right at the quiz. I got an okay general knowledge. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, you know, I obviously left the TV um, producing world, but all those people that I work with stayed in it and they all work on game shows. <laughs> and so stuff. So like, we've got yeah. a spot, Chabby. Literally, like, I, like, I got a call that morning and um, I worked around the corner. And um, I got a call from this girl, and she was like, Chappie, what are you doing at 2.15? <laughs> She's like, I've had, a, uh, I've had someone pull out of the chase with Andrew O'Keefe. And I was like, yeah, I know Andrew O'Keefe. <laughs> I actually used to work with him on something. And so she was like, oh, okay, is it going to be awkward if you, you know, come down, you know, f- fill in for this in this spot? Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think it would be awkward at all. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Did they give you the answers before the show? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I did all right, but then I got booted. I sort of, um, I nailed the first part and that was what I put on Instagram. Yeah, cool. Just show the hero. <laughs> Just show the bloody yeah, yeah, the hero reel. Yeah, you don't need to see the fall. <laughs> do you, uh, in in life and that instance, like, yeah. do, you, do you have a thing that makes you – awkward you know like do you get awkward in moments of business like or having to deal with certain like staff problems or i'm definitely a non-confrontationalist yeah like i don't really deal well when people are bickering people are fighting i'm not great at just sort of sitting down and going you know timmy tommy look each other in the eye and say sorry yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm not great at that and let's hold hands yeah i'm not i'm not sort of great at that conflict and dispute resolution but i certainly i'm not shy and i've got you know if someone calls me and says something i'm more than happy to say yes and i've got you know i'll step onto a game show or i'll say yeah. yes i come yeah, on your yeah. podcast yeah. is it the pilot no it's the second episode okay i'll still do it <laughs> but you know i'm happy to do stuff and say yes and and learn and be a part of everything i've got a pretty open mind so yeah um yeah i'm not afraid to do you know go and do stuff like that um but there are definitely things where I'm, I get awkward. Yeah. And I reckon I get awkward when I'm in a room and, you know, <laughs> you know, mummy and daddy are fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just go, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to sort of just sit I'm this one slink out, out here. Um, how, many, how many people would, like, direct reports would you have at work? Um, I think at the moment it's about 14, 14 yeah, or 15. Yeah, right. um, yeah, I mean, where I am, like, it's such such a good challenge. Like, I came from a much bigger wo- team and world, what I was managing previously. Mm. Um, and when I started at Croc Media, there was me and one other guy. And yeah, it was right. like blank canvas, you know, Sick. new digital team, build it, yeah. make it your own. Mm. Grow it in the way, you know, you want to grow it. And so it was really sort of a really good opportunity that, um, that Hutchie laid in front of me. So mm. um, I sort of, I knew how to manage teams and build the right sort of, that's what got you there. Like he put that in front of you and said, this is what I want you to come on board and try and create. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, the good thing about our workplaces is it moves and changes pretty quickly. Like different priorities happen and new, new opportunities present themselves. Which suits some people and not others. Yeah. hundred percent. So you might have a roadmap that just gets thrown out the window for six months because, you know, something big's just changed and it's all, all hands to the pump and not, some people, and especially in the tech world, development world, that's brutal. Like, yeah, you know. of course. Yeah, um, but um, I suppose that's a symptom also of live, like li- the li- the metrics thing. You know, like you get live feedback mm. on how well you're doing, yeah. and there's no fucking lag time between getting yeah. that feedback and then making it. It's like, no, nah, it's not working. Move on next. <laughs> that's pretty brutal. Brutal. Um, and so, so yeah, I think yeah. In in answer to your question, it's about sort of 13, 14, I think at the moment, but mm. it moves, you know, and sometimes I feel like I'm neglecting one part of a team and, you know, focusing on another, but I think, you know, the challenge of, of anyone that, you know, manages people, which you would know is, you know, you got to be collaborative, you got to keep them motivated and keep them on the journey and, yeah. you know, keep the momentum going i think do you need to do a lot of that like do they look to you for that guidance yeah, a lot like so. are they the sort of roles and people that need yeah. a bit of like where the where are we going chappy yeah i think so i think you got to like a big thing for me is momentum like yeah. and 
you know, I like to generate a space where everyone feels like they're on the path mm. and where we're achieving what we want to achieve. And, and, you know, that constant feedback of momentum is pretty important, I think. Mm. This is um, doing this. So I did some life coaching mid last year. Um, and it was sort of like life executive coaching. Um, I called it executive coaching because I did a bit of a tax deduction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll obviously edit that one out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but what it, it sort of threw, it, it's a, it was a really fascinating experience. I did it because, well, Brooke, who's a girl that works here, she's currently in, the, in New Zealand, but I, I sort of got friendly with her just at lunchtime up in the communal areas and and learn a bit about what she did and she's like I'm a life coach this is what I do and then you know like start asking all these sort of inquiring about questions and what do you do and what is this like and you know she was sort of t- telling me a bit and she goes you're asking way too many questions we've got to like let's just jump in and do like create some like a formal 12 week program that we that I run wow and so I was like oh shit all right that's a bit more expensive than I thought but let's all do right. it <laughs> um and so it it made me she challenged me or at least made me question a lot of things about like preconceived ideas about myself and how I, and how I do things and, you know, um, introducing me to things like the Enneagram, which is this nine, uh, there's nine types, you know, it's essentially, it's like a, and that's just for for explanation. It's another version of star signs, you know, mm. but it's completely different. But that'll give you an idea of what the the area we're working in. But it essentially, tells you no. Actually, it's like Myers Briggs um, personality type test. Oh yeah. But then it's another it's another level to that. But anyway, so the point is is that um, something that came up was my that was which I knew about myself, but it was sort of easy to start to like articulate and and watch as I started to sort of step back and what and analyze myself and my behaviors and stuff but just how I um I tend to need to have everything lined up and I do a hell of a lot of like consideration before I make a decision um and you know going back a few back into earlier in my career a few jobs ago you know I had a boss who was like you just got to make a decision Jacko like just Mm -hmm. fucking don't worry about it just make a decision you know, and I was, and I always really struggled with that. But I knew what I knew what the intention was. It's like just move forward, create momentum, like you're saying, just keep it going. We're all we're heading in this direction. It didn't it didn't necessarily create a clear like this is where we're trying to get to. So this is why making these decisions quickly is important, which I think is probably the piece that I missed. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, but then it didn't doesn't really sit that well with me because I because yeah. I am a more considered like decision maker. And then I read an article the other day about the CEO of Google and he was like, no, 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 I, I take time. Like, mm. And that's the thing that I brought to this company is it looks like we're moving really fast and we are, but I take time for decisions that I need to make that are bigger decisions and, and, I, and I contemplate them. And, you know, so yeah. and that kind of filled me with a bit of like, oh, that's good that fucking someone like him can like take totally. his time as well. Well, I think – and Bezos is um, – I read something from him the other day yeah. and – how many decisions do you make a day? Mm. And he says, I make three to four. Yeah, <laughs> and, I've read that. And he says, and he goes, I'm actually only thinking right now about Q3 2024. <laughs> and it's like, really? And that sort of future thought and leadership mm. is incredible. Yeah. Like, I sort of feel a bit more frontline in my yep. job and role. And mm. I'm not necessarily like you know you have to have one part of your brain which is the holistic bigger picture mm. um and they're the huge strategy decisions that absolutely you sit on but then if you're in like if you're in a if you're in a role where you've got constant decisions to make you know as we started you know don't be afraid to fail like yeah. if you need to make fast decisions as in some aspects yeah. then I think you know with experience you can you can do your best yeah, and, yeah. and and go for it but absolutely like bigger picture stuff you have to sit on it yeah and I suppose where I was going with that like this is part of that like failing fast like this yeah. I said to myself this has been something that I feel like there is a like everything I explained at the start you know like I feel like there is something in that like creating an environment where I can sort of have more meaningful conversations with people mm. But it might not work. It might, it mm. might, you know, like I might get sick of it or I might go, you know what, it doesn't for the bigger picture what I'm trying to like 
grapple with or do in the next ten years. It it doesn't it still doesn't add up to where I thought it would. Um, but failing fast is the most important thing. Mm. Like just try it, let it go. Mm. Doesn't work, move on. You mm. know. And I and because I also have that reluctance to, like I could have sat on this for another six months yeah. without pressing record on anything. Yeah. And I'd be in the same position. I was like, I've just got to start asking people to come on and just deal with it, yeah. you know? And I think like, I really like the failing fast mentality for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, the, the people that fail slow, <laughs> like it's <clears throat> almost, you know, you, and you see it's heaps. Like I see it a lot. And it's, it becomes almost like an ego thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've invested in something and you, you can't let it go. and And that's where you see things where you just go, that's just, that needs to just be put in the, in the, in the box, yeah. in the attic. <laughs> Not thought about again. Yeah. Know? Um, and you know, hopefully we're saying that about like TikTok one day. Yeah. It's getting a bit of momentum. Yes. So yeah, I think like, yeah, I, I'm, I don't mind the concept of failing fast. Yeah. But mm. I also think, um, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to recognize if, if it's failing. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people can't do. Now, mate, I've taken enough of your time, but that's probably a good segue into something I want to talk about, which is investing. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, you just opened up my world to a world of both <laughs> joy and pain, I reckon. Yeah. Um, yeah so, it's a creeper. Yeah. Gets you up at night, gets you up in the morning. So, mm. it's probably a couple of years, two and a half years ago now, I yeah. reckon we started our conversations about investing and yeah. um, there's a couple of little speckies there which are sitting in red on my um, balance <laughs> sheet which aren't doing well but they'll come back I'm, I'm a firm believer in them um, Afterpay though was the next one that um, we discussed yeah. and I decided to put a bit of money into which yeah. um, I think it's currently at about 800% yeah. in the green so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might have might have got you the win there <laughs> that one just recovered <laughs> from all of those early uh, yeah. early do you know the funny thing about Afterpay? So I really like ideas. Like I sort of like, um, you know, when I hear things and just going, yeah, that's right. And we both know a girl, I won't say her name, yeah. but she's quintessential, um, you know, like uh, sort of fashion female consumer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I heard her talking about this. I, she, I, she was talking about shopping and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she said, oh, I just have to pay it. And I'm like, what's well, after pay? Yeah. And she goes, oh, it's like, you know, I just grab it and I pay it and, you know, four installments every two weeks, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, so it's lay-by. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it's, it's lay-by, but it's all connected to my credit card. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I just thought if she's doing this, yeah. everyone's going to be doing this from her, that from that personality type. <clears throat> and then I realised... They'd floated like three weeks prior. They'd gone from two sixty to four bucks. Yeah, and I was like, this this thing actually has scale. Like yeah. proper, like not many Australian tech um, things have huge scale. But mm. I sort of highlighted that as something that had huge scale. Yeah, I think I only told you and a few others about it. I probably should have told a lot more. But <laughs> no, because then you get in trouble when they don't go. Well. <laughs> Correct. But but when we talked, I was like, yeah, Afterpay. We we're a merchant. We're like we run it on our online store. Yeah. Um, so I was like, "Oh fucking, of course!" And yeah. so I chatted to Claire about, it and we're like, "Let's just, let's just chuck some money in there, yeah. and you know, and we'll see what happens." Because yeah. we believed in it, like we under we from a merchant perspective, we were like, "This makes people it really easy for people," yeah. and we're willing to accept the, you know, thirty cent transaction fee and six percent or whatever it was, um, because it brings value to our customers. And as a customer, it's like it's a no brainer. Mm. Um, sure, there's you know you you listen to the barefoot and he you know ha- doesn't like any financial product that incentivizes spending more, but mm. that's okay. Um, we're talking about shares, and sometimes the yeah. best shares don't necessarily meet those criteria. But yeah, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Anyway, so I've I've deep dived on this whole world of investing quite like quite heavily, um, and. Uh, I've d- spent a fair bit of time. Like the, I mentioned the Barefoot because um, I started. I I subscribed to their what they call it, the Blueprint, which is essentially their investing community, and they put out a whole lot of resources around investing. And Mike Camp is the is his sort of investment guru, and he's you know you know he has had a huge amount of success. 
um, in investing in shares over the last 20 or 30 years. Mm. And so he taught me uh, uh, the principles of, you know, what analysing risk, valuing shares, and I got really into that. And it's mm. a really like, mate, that's a deep hole to start diving oh, yeah. into. Yeah. Um, but and I don't have a I don't have a an interest in going too much further other than um, le- like just continuing to um, compound on the on the knowledge I have and then watching mm. and learning through experience of watching what the markets do mm. and also more to the point watching my own behaviour and reactions mm. around investing in the market yeah that part that side of it is really interesting the the psychology behind investing yeah um, and. Anyway, it's a fascinating world, and as yeah. I said, like I just say, dabble in the US because that opens up a whole other, whole, yeah. whole other world of yeah. like v- sh- share values, yeah. and you know, there's and it's zero percent on your, there's no transaction fees, and yeah. you know, all of this sort of stuff. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can see how people just get lost in it and start just doing it every day, right? And then your dad turns into a 40-year investor. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Stock trader. Yeah, and then you're like, shit, I don't own a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of red. We're so, still talking about Afterpay in 30 yeah, years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I've just sold out another 40% of our Afterpay. I've been knowing what I know now around valuing shares and valuing companies. Afterpay represents a huge potential upside, mm. but also a huge risk. Mm. It's not making any money, mm. you know, and they've got mm. this valuation based on a huge amount of growth in the US. Mm. And I read a statistic and it was just ridiculously large growth. Yeah. And I was like, I am happy to stay as an investor, yeah. but I don't want to be, because it grew so quickly, it yeah. blew out our portfolio, which was yeah. only small, but yeah. it just blew out the ratio. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not prepared to have 60% of our investment yeah. in one share. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so anyway, so we sold off a heap and we've made heaps of profit out of that, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting share. You've sold out of... I have, well, I bought a house mid last yes, year. that's so right. So that I'm, was a fair... I'm, I'm cooked. <laughs> <laughs> a fair reason to sell out of Afterpay. Yeah, I just thought, oh, you know, stamp duty is a hell of a thing, and <laughs> I could basically, you know, really put a put a put an axe to it with uh, with APT. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, like I um, I've still obviously yeah got a portfolio and that sort of stuff, but you know, I this period of my life, you know, as you know, young family, mm. you know settled career that sort of stuff I think um you know home ownership I hadn't even really sort of you know I'd never been a massive one bricks and mortar yeah but um but mid last year I just thought it was the right time to pull the trigger mm. you know I don't think interest rates will go up in a very long time and mm. we'll live in a low interest world and therefore it's hard to save if you're not investing like yeah. uh, you know and this would be the net this would be the interesting thing it's like if if you're a young person trying to buy a house you can't put money in a savings account anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to almost take risk with the one thing you've got, which is a savings account that's doing nothing yeah. and creating no wealth off it. Yeah. So it's going to actually be a really interesting time. Like, cause I don't think people necessarily have portfolios anymore. Mm. There's not that many people that buy stock. Mm. Um, but I think the next generation will have to I because they they'll do, only, yeah. it's the only way they'll generate, um, you know, in, like wealth off their, off their home deposit, which, yeah. you know, isn't going to do anything else if they just let it sit there. The thing that I, uh, and we'll wrap up soon, I'm very conscious we've spent a fair bit of time, um, the thing I have enjoyed about learning about investing, and it's and it's a broader investment conversation than just shares, is um, you, you need to be generating cash flow off any th- any asset or cash that you have. Like cash mm. is pointless because yeah. we just don't earn enough interest on cash. That's it. So you need so you need to educate yourself and take the measured risk on where do you put that cash that you have. It even extends to your super. Like understand mm. what your super's doing. Make mm. sure that that's geared to the most aggressive ratio when you're under forty or mm. under fifty. You know, like. It like it's just an education thing though. Mm. But but most people they can't be fucked. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Like super is just a no brainer yeah. to sort of spend a bit of time in because yeah. like you literally spend ten minutes adjusting your super. Yeah, and it'll make a massive change down the track. Yeah, uh, I just changed all my super the other week. Oh, did you yeah. move super fund? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who um, works now? Australian super. Oh yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I'm with care. I've been with him for ages. Yeah, piss him off. <laughs> Why? What's good about Oz? No, I just I just did some you know just just some just some looks and I wasn't really happy with what with, with what where I was so just made some, made made a bit of a change over and well, uh, the barefoot yeah. again not to just bang on about him but the, he talks about if you make a good you know like if you were with one of the big super funds that mm. charge you a shitload of fees yeah. and you move to like an industry like an old super or a, yeah. um. You over the forty or fifty years, yeah. you'll save yourself a quarter of a million bucks. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love a quarter of a mil. <laughs> I'd love that. Imagine that'll buy you a cup yeah. of coffee in yeah. you know fifty years time. Yeah. Chappy, thank you, mate. Pleasure, mate. Very generous to come and give me your time off the back of an invite to something that I didn't even know how to define. <laughs> uh, I hope you'll come back soon. I'll be back. Thanks, Jacko. Thanks, mate.